horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, thanks for joining us again. I hope wherever you are, you're uh, warm and dry. Been an interesting uh, winter in the Midwest, uh, but uh, we're all surviving it. And at the bottom line is we can be inside while the horses run outside, no matter what the conditions are. Two great guests today. Uh, First time starter. You've seen him. If you've been watching racing over the years, Jeff Lifson. He was one of the fathers of TVG in its early days, always put forth a a great presentation. Well, uh, Jeff uh, decided to move to another part of the industry. Uh, I want to ask him about the decision to do that and, uh, you know, what went into it. And I'm I'm thinking he's very happy he did. He's now the vice president of West Point Thoroughbreds. Uh, You know, we've had Terry Finley on before. uh, So we want to see exactly what role Jeff plays in doing it. They got some live horses right now. Uh, Galilean uh, took the California Cup derby in impressive fashion trained by jerry hollendorfer and it's kind of interesting how that horse got into jerry's hands and then uh, later in the card uh we're going to be featuring the grade three hell's hope and breaking lucky is in there another uh, west point uh, partnership and uh, a horse that i brought up quite a few times on this show gunmetal gray uh, is another one. So they've got uh, two legit horses uh, on the Derby Trail. We'll be talking to Jeff about that and about his involvement with West Point Thoroughbreds. Of course, you're tuned in here. You're listening to Winning Ponies. And as you know, one thing we offer on our website are our easy win forms. And uh, you had a good week if you were following Gulfstream. Uh, let's see. I go back about oh, six days ago, five days ago. I had a $1 super high five that hit for 2476 And it was just uh, yesterday that we had a $1 super through the easy win forms that paid 2116 And on the same card, a $1 super, $2,023. So, we're going to be watching racing from all over the place. And to help us do that, not only uh, do you want to pull down your easy win forms, but you want to listen to my guest extraordinaire, the man that used to ride this microphone, as they say, and that's none other than my man, Ed Meyer. So Ed's going to be with us on a rare Thursday night that he's able to make it during the winter. We're going to go everywhere. We're going to go to the Hell's Hope at Gulfstream. Then we're going to go all the way out to California for the Buena Vista, one mile on the turf, $200,000 up for grabs. And uh, we'll bounce around then to uh, Sunland Park where they have the Mind That Bird Derby and uh, only uh, three Triple Crown nominees in there. The one I think is going to stand out the most would be Wicked Indeed, a Steve Asmussen-trained Winchell Thoroughbreds owned son of Tappet. And if time allows, we'll get back to New York for the Franklin Square. We're talking about New York breads. It looks like a toss-up between Stones in the Road and Forgotten Hero. We'll see who Ed likes. 
I already tipped my hand, and I look forward to having Jeff on the show, too. All right, let's take a look at some national news, some things that uh, happened over the past week. Uh, uh, we will also uh, be looking at, uh, well, uh, we talked about Hollendorfer, and I'll probably save this uh, for Jeff's part of the show, but this uh, Galilean won the California Cup. Now, this was on Monday. You know, a lot of people were off on Monday, and uh, so I hope you got a chance to uh, to see it. Uh, pretty uh, pretty impressive uh, performance uh, by this horse who is nominated the Triple Crown is never worse than second. Now this horse is a kale bred, so it'll be interesting to see where he shows up for his uh, next uh, race because he's going to need to garner some Derby points. Again, we'll be we'll be asking Jeff that question. But in the hands of Jerry Hollendorfer, he's loaded. Uh, he's got a lot of nice horses. Um, course uh gunmetal gray uh, is another one and instagrand um we'll know who's where he's going to show up so he's got to keep these horses separated it'll be interesting well i just mentioned winchell thoroughbreds and uh ron winchell and uh mark falcone have been approved by the kentucky racing commission as the new owners of Kentucky Downs. It'll be very interesting. Again, I'm going to want to ask Jeff that because Jeff uh, won an Eclipse Award for his story a few years back called The Revitalization and Renewal of Kentucky Downs. So uh, he might have some inside track or just some historical perspective uh, to this uh, ownership change. Now, uh, I probably should have called Jenny Reese because she does their PR. And, uh, you know, I don't know what changes this will make but they're already talking about uh putting additions on to uh that unique european style track and uh so winchell must be a busy man because he not only overlooks winchell's thoroughbred but uh you know he was co-owner horse of the year gun runner and uh he's at three chimneys now and uh, let's not forget they also raced and have 50 percent of a nice little stallion by the name of tappet so uh some changes Baby coming to Kentucky Downs. Get there while you can. <laughs> August 31st, September 5th, 7th, 8th, and 12th is your only chance to get in. They weren't given additional days by the Kentucky Racing Commission. All right, back in the saddle again. Victor Espinoza finished second in his return to racing. Uh, it was a maiden claiming race. And he came from off the pace, looked strong doing it. Of course, uh, everybody remembers him for uh, three Kentucky Derby winners, War Emblem in 2002, California Chrome in 2014, and the following year, winning the Triple Crown aboard American Pharaoh. So uh, he says he feels good, and uh, he's going to be uh, ma- making the comeback. He's just got to garner business back. You know, it's a tough game. What have you done for me lately? Well, we know what the famous Mayor Winks has done lately. She just won her 30th straight win in the Apollo Stakes. Now, they do say that this will be her farewell season. And uh, there's going to be uh, a very interesting season where she uh, last year won her fourth Ladbrokes Cox Plate. Of course, that's a group one over there. And uh, they thought that she was heading off for a well-earned retirement, but instead she's Back again, 30 wins in a row, just a two-and-a-half-length stroll in the Star Apollo Stakes. Now, she will be uh, coming back uh, 
to the Chipping Norton Stakes in two weeks, a race in which I believe she has won three times. So continue to follow that uh, Wink story. We already mentioned uh, Galilean, an easy winner uh, of the of the cup there. Um, how about another twist of fate in the El Camino Real Derby? This horse looked great coming down the lane. His daddy is Scat Daddy. Anybody remember Justify Sire? That's right. It's a scat daddy. This, I believe, is his last crop with the three-year-olds. And, uh, man, he was strong, very strong looking. Uh, this race uh, was uh, at, at Golden Gates Fields. So uh, keep that name in mind. Uh, let's see. I don't actually know exactly where they're going to go from there, but uh, they'll be representing uh, Northern California as well as Galilean will be representing the West Coast. And uh, here's a little uh, aside. Uh, last week, I was happy to be part of the uh, Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund fundraiser at Turfway Park. So we're there with some very great people. And all of a sudden, uh, the, the jockeys went upstairs. I was down talking to Carl Faulkner's wife, having a beer. Then we're going to head up. And, uh, you know, this guy comes by and he says, okay, buddy, you have to get out of here. And I'm like, I've been up thrown out of worse joints. He goes, no, sir, there's a fire. You've got to get out of here. So <laughs> Ann and I get up and everybody goes out on the apron. And it, it, no sooner do I get out on the apron and uh, hanging around with a group of people that included uh, uh, Sandy Hawley, Pat Day, and then who comes running down the, the apron but Chris Collinsworth, and Mike Battaglia, because that was the night uh, that they were going to be running the Battaglia Memorial, which is named after his father. Uh, but a very interesting day. There was a fire on the roof. Uh, security got it put out. Uh, everybody got back in. But it was a very surreal scene. Set the racing back a little bit. But the winner, a son of Big Brown, some like it brown uh who's uh, owned a partnership with sky chai racing that's my friend harvey diamond we've had on the show before and this is also sand dollar stable david koenig and all but uh, rafael hernandez came in for his first mount at turfway some like it hot brown uh was bumped at the start steadied at the quarter pole and then just came flying along the rail you may recall that he just got beat in the breeders cup juvenile turf so this horse up until this race had only been racing uh pretty much exclusively on turf and it looks like uh they they might have a dirt runner a lot of people thought big brown was going to be a grass horse and uh you know, he ended up, as I recall, winning a little race called the Kentucky Derby. So congratulations uh, to Harvey and his partners with some like it, Hot Brown. He'll probably be one of the favorites. We'll see who shows up for the Jeff Ruby Stakes, spelled S-T-E-A-K-S. If you've ever had one, it was worth changing the name. So let's take a look at some more of the last week's racing. We had Ryan Martin with us from the fairgrounds. We told you it was a great card. And it was very bettable. In the uh, first one, uh, the Mineshaft Handicap, we uh, 
Saw Silver Dust at 5-1, to one, a very strong finish. And who was in the saddle? None other than Jack Gilligan gets a graded stakes winner. About a month and a half ago, we had his father, Patrick Lawrence Gilligan, on the show. Around Kentucky with the Bug is the name of his book. And I want to congratulate a very nice young man, Jack Gilligan. In the second spot was Harlan Punch, winner of the recent uh, Louisiana Legends race. Florent Giroux was in the saddle. And uh, from there, it, we need to uh, went to uh, get to get with my producer here, make sure I gave him the right number. Um, we got to go to the fairgrounds handicap. And the winner in there was the favorite, huge move late by Synchrony. And uh, and second was Bandua, and third was Market Off. Okay, let's check now at the uh, the Rachel Alexandra. I was down there when she won the Louisiana Oaks a few years ago, and the winner this time, Sarah Gentry. Empress. I happen to be friends with the owner there, Dr. Joel Politi. He's a Columbus, Ohio uh, doctor and uh, wasn't sure if she's going to get it done. Hadn't been out since uh, she put in a, a dull performance in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. And, uh, but she is back, went wire to wire. Very, very impressive. Uh, Jimmy Graham just kept, uh, just kept letting her out a notch, and she responded uh, very well. So uh, she got the job done there. Looks like she's back and probably will be headed towards the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, in the second spot was Leora, a 23-to-1 shot. All right, that was a look at the Rachel Alexander. That was a grade two. And then on to... The Risen Star Stakes, what a race. Wow is the key word there. War of Will moving up on a lot of people's uh, Kentucky Derby list and uh, was uh, very well rated by Tyler Gaffleone. Remember, this horse drew the 14 hole and still managed to get the job done. Very impressive. Uh, in, in the second spot was Country House and third was Royland. All right, then we uh, close it out uh, with the uh, the Southwest Stakes that was run today, and the winner in there was Super Steed. Upset time, nominated the Triple Crown, big move, wide on the turn, swept around them all, trained by Larry Jones, Super Steed, 62-1. to 1. Got the job done over Sueno. And in the third spot, another long shot, long range toddy. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. And when we come back, we hope to have Jeff Lift Liston with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, we're hooking up with Jeff Lifson, who's now the vice president of West Point Thoroughbreds. And uh, we want to give you a little uh, prep there, as I told you, that uh, when I first saw him, he was uh, a host for five years on TVG. He won an Eclipse Award for a story titled The Revitalization and Renewal of Kentucky Downs. Uh, He's a graduate of Williams College, attended the Medal School of Journalism at Northwestern. and uh, th- this guy's got to have a big house for all the walls with the different diplomas that he's got. I can tell you that. But uh, the great thing is uh, that uh, he decided to get out of the limelight. Uh, he was pretty well known uh, for his appearances on TVG and uh, went to work uh, for West Point Thoroughbreds. Jeff, I believe we've got you now. Are you with us? Yes. How are you, John? Well, I- I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm, you know, uh, on the right side of the grass, and I'm not in jail, so everything else is pretty much gravy in my life, so I feel good. Um, I don't know if that uh, intro uh, did you enough, but so I want to rewind a little bit and talk about how you even earned your way into uh, your gig on TVG that I think a lot of people will remember you from. What was your first draw to horse racing, and then what made you an authority on it? Well, when I got out of Medill uh, School of Journalism, when I got out of Northwestern, uh, I started hitting some of, some of the dinkwaddy places uh, around the Midwest that would take somebody who was fresh out of graduate school and put them on air. Um, I won't tell you which markets were silly enough to take me, but it was you know, very close <laughs> to the Chicago market where um, uh, a small town or a smaller city just not far from from uh, Chicago, and you can do the math at you know, probably Beloit, Rockford, Madison, one of those places was silly enough to hire me. And then, just like it happens with so many other people in, in television news, you, you move your way up into television markets that are a little bit bigger, and eventually I ended up in Louisville, Kentucky. Didn't really know much about racing at the time, but... I worked for the ABC affiliate in Louisville, WHAS-TV in Louisville. And at, the, at that moment, HAS had the Derby. Yeah, I know. They so were big. They are there, yeah. Massive. And we did pretty much, you know, war and peace coverage of the Oaks and the Derby, meaning 
we were on the air at 5 o'clock in the morning on Oaks Day and really didn't go off the air until uh, well past the 11 o'clock news on Saturday night uh, for uh, on Derby Day. That was our biggest ratings day traditionally by a long shot. And so there were all sorts of reasons to kind of dive into horse racing and try to figure it out. But I was even luckier. Um, the, the gentleman who had been doing the main sports for uh, WHAS um, left the station, and news director said, you want to do this? This was about three or four months before Derby. And I didn't really know much about racing, and, and somebody gave me the advice to go down to Churchill Downs and to talk to uh, the man who was the director of publicity at the time, He's now world famous for being, you know, a world traveler, a guy named Tony Terry. You probably remember him, John. I know and Tony very well, yes. So Tony told me uh, probably one of the best pieces of, of professional advice in my life, if you want to do this and you want it to sound like, like you halfway know what you're talking about, not a complete moron, wake up early in the morning. As soon as the horses start coming back to Churchill Downs in early March, wake up really early morning, go out there, watch them train, and ask a lot of dumb questions. And what you'll find is that people in racing, this is his advice to me, that people in racing are pretty generous with their time if you're sincere and you want to understand better what they're up to. So that was my uh, counsel from Tony, and the year was 1994. Yep, it was 1994, and the winner of the uh, the Derby that year was Go for Jen. Nick Zito took me under his wing to some degree. He was really, really cool and knew I was desperate to learn and learn quickly. Some other people that helped me out, you probably remember some of these names, Nyla O'Callaghan, who had a horse for Cot Campbell that year called Smilin' Singin' Sam, who was one of the <laughs> first horses to arrive at Churchill Downs that year. So long story short, and I am making a long story out of it, uh, that's how I started <laughs> off in racing and television at the same time. Now, as you probably remember, TVG was in its really, really formative stages in the middle 90s at that point. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it was a kind of a pilot program that wasn't even named TVG, and it was kind of a concept that many different parties were trying to come up with, including the NT, you know, at the time the NTRA, uh, Fox uh, Television, Liberty Television, some other characters around uh, Kentucky, Hollywood Park Television people uh, out on the West Coast. It was just kind of a real uh, amalgam. And it kind of coagulated in 1997, 98, and then finally you know, hit the scene in 1999. And I was lucky enough to win my Eclipse Award in 98. I was staying as close as I could to what was developing with TVG because I really thought this is what I wanted to do with my life is be on television and, and cover horse racing. And uh, the executive producer, a guy named Tony Alovato, happened to be at the Eclipse Awards down in South Florida. And I basically just you know, darn near threatened him, said, you've got to hire me. And <laughs> a month or so later, he hired me. And uh, when the network really started putting together its feature stories and started putting together its lineups and doing all its re rehearsals in May and June of 1999. I hopped in my Volvo and uh, 
It was a not. A, it was not a new Volvo. I hopped in my Volvo sedan, drove out to the West Coast, and started up with TVG, and and really, you know, it was it was the quintessential. Let's see if we can go back in the barn and put on a show. You know, there were, weren't too many rules, and it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of money being thrown at us, which was the cool part. Um, got to travel quite a bit. Went to Dubai. Went to uh, you know the Pellegrini down in. Um, Argentina a couple times, went to Barbados for the Barbados uh, uh, Sandy Lane Gold Cup a couple times. So the money was flowing for us to really kind of establish ourselves as a, an entity, uh, you know, a force within the racing business and to do it quickly. And so that was, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. It was, it was tough on my family because I was commuting back and forth from, uh, from Los Angeles to Louisville. My, Wife took one look at the pr- housing prices in Southern California and was like, I don't think we can do this. <laughs> you could um, own a farm in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. And we had two little ones. Uh, actually, we had one little one, and then we somehow managed to make another little one, even though I was commuting back and forth during all that period of time. And so it really didn't make a lot of sense to, to move out to, to Southern California and give up the lifestyle that my kids had, which was, you know, bigger yard, nicer house, <laughs> all those kind right. of things. Less, you know, traffic not nearly as bad, although some people in Louisville would argue now. And uh, so I commuted for five years, and then a, a job came up with um, West Point Thoroughbreds. Actually, I kind of foisted myself uh, on Terry Finley, who, was the, uh, who is the CEO and founder of our company. I bumped into him at Del Mar and said, just like I did with Tony Alovato, you got to hire me, buddy. And um, <laughs> the rest is history. Well, I, I like it. And there, there's a lot of good decision making and a lot of confidence there. <laughs> and so. Uh, you, you, Sounds like it was a plan all along, wasn't it? I think yeah, it was more. Is, isn't everybody's luck life? Anything else. <laughs> when we look in the rearview mirror, it was a real easy thing to figure out. But so, West Point, I've had Terry on, and we discussed uh, kind of their plan for for putting together partnerships uh what's your role right now at west point and then i'd like to ask you about some of your current runners well um i'm part of the buying team uh that's something that really was uh important to me to develop professionally when i first started with the company so about mm, five to six seven years ago i became much more seriously involved in how we select our horses and i'm part of the buying team which consists of Terry, uh, his daughter, Erin uh, Erin Finley Birkenauer. She's married now to a, a nice gentleman, a dentist down in Bowling Green, Kentucky. She's, a very, she's an impeccable horsewoman who's done a lot of three-day eventing in her day and um, knows horses extremely well. And then we have a bloodstock agent that is world-class. His name is David Engordo. He's the guy who is responsible for... Uh, kind of shortlisting and, and pointing us in the right direction, and then the team um, makes the final selections, and Terry does the final bidding. But so I'm I'm involved in that pretty intimately, and then I'm also involved in uh, all the partners, all the clients that I have. I take good care of them. I'm, I'm a communication um, sounding board for them. Uh, I help them figure out uh, this crazy game and try to help them learn as I learn because. Anybody in racing knows that you, you know the day you think you've got it all down is um, probably the day that they're going to you know they're they're putting you under. Um, 
<laughs> so it's uh, it's largely a, a job that involves you know buying, selling, and taking care of the people that that buy percentages of the horses that we we put into partnerships across the country. Well, I've got to tell you a little story here. Uh, Gunmetal Gray, I was very impressed with him last year uh, coming up to the Breeders' Cup uh, down at Churchill. And when I watched him in the mornings, and uh, I'm also an equine photographer, uh, you know, when I went back and looked at my shots, I'm like, boy, this looks like a horse. If he grows into that frame, is going to be a bear at three. Not that he was bad at two. But he just looked no. like he was going to be good at, at three. And uh, he is the, the color of gunmetal gray. And uh, a gentleman I know that you might have heard of along the line, his name is Rocky Boyman. He played yeah. prof- uh, he played football at Notre Dame. Uh, then he played on a couple NFL teams. And he ended up winning a Super Bowl. And now he's a... Uh, he has a show every afternoon in Cincinnati and WLW. Well, he was originally in a, a metal band by the name of Gun Metal Gray, and they've talked about <laughs> they've talked about you guys on the air. He's like, "Hey, wait, how do I, how do I get on this horse? Uh, should I sue him for rights and fractions? You know, that was our name." So, uh, anyhow, I just I texted him earlier and said, "Hey, uh, Gun Metal Gray's nominated to Turfway Parks uh, Jeff Ruby Stakes." I said, "You might get a chance to meet these people." So, if it looks like he's heading this way, Jeff, I'll I'll get Rocky's number and give it to you. Very good. As long as he. Um uh, as long as he, you know, plays a couple of riffs on I, whether he was a guitarist or, or a drummer, a drummer in the band, you know, we'll 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 trade a little bit of that for uh, for for horse ownership. Although I, I I will I will tell you this: it's highly unlikely he's going to run in the Jeff Ruby. Highly unlikely. Uh-huh. So that 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 important meeting that uh, you know you Mr. Livingston, I presume, or something like that, is not going to happen uh, this year at least. Well, you might see him at the Derby, so you That'd never be know. Better. That'd be a better happening. That would be a wonderful uh, chance to get together. Well, I, I hope that horse makes it because I, well, he probably won't now because I've been touting him since he was a two-year-old saying, <laughs> you know, nothing's going to happen yet. But just from what I know about looking at horses, and I've owned and bred him myself over the past 30 years, this is a horse, that, and, and he's done very well facing the top competition, uh, and I don't think a mile and a quarter is going to be a problem. But real quick, Jeff, because I'm coming to, towards the bottom of the hour, is I yes. uh, was very impressed uh, with the California Cup Derby race and Galileo. Now, but that was not a points race. Uh, this horse no. has been racing against state breads, and I don't blame you. You've been picking up a paycheck every single time he's gone uh, to bat. And there was an interesting story in the racing forum about how you guys kind of accidentally ran into Jerry Hollendorfer and go, well, hell, we got a California bread. There's our man. Now, you're going to probably be, I hate to use the word, under pressure, but he's under pressure to start getting in the points game. Did you know what the plans are for him next? Because that was an impressive race in the California Cup. I think the way we're going to go, and, and we just had our, our had a call with Jerry yesterday afternoon and kind of solidified things. As much as you can solidify things with, with horses, um, we're going to go to the Rebel, more than likely. That gives us a chance to come back, uh, maybe in the Arkansas Derby, uh, if we need to, you know, hunt more more points, or if he runs a big race and and bounces out of it, he still could conceivably come back in that um, that phalanx of points races, hundred point races, um, the the first Saturday in April on April sixth, where you've got the Bluegrass, the Wood, and the San Anita Derby uh, all taking place that one weekend. I think 
that's why the Rebel was kind of attractive to us because you would get enough spacing where you could run in both both races. And will uh, Gunmetal Gray probably be taking on some of the uh, the big dogs out there in the West Point, uh, pointing eventually to the Santa Anita Derby? What we're planning right now, short term, is, and this was a, a pretty contentious uh, 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 discussion we were talking about the other day. Gunmel Gray already has points, and he's in a pretty solid spot right now if he continues to run competitively in these races. We think that we're more than likely going to stay home and run in the San Felipe, which gives us a chance, because of the timing, to come back again that next month, whether it's the Wood, the Bluegrass, or the San Anita Derby. It's advantageous not to have to ship your horses too much. Sure. You know, we, we know how good Tex Sutton is, and we know how good and easy it is to get horses around the country fairly quickly, but we just believe that this horse, even though I do believe that he's up against it from uh, the way the racetrack's been playing just a little bit on the West Coast, because he, he comes from a little bit out of it, or quite a bit out of it, depending on whether or not Coliseum knocks into him or somebody else knocks into him when he's coming out of the starting gate. But it... it, it it's countered by the fact that he can stay home. We think he's going to run competitively. We think there'll be some, some significant speed in the San Felipe that may set it up for um, the run that he makes, which is usually pretty good. And having had that you know, sort of contentious discussion, that's sort of where we're going with him. Well, right now he's sitting sixth on the leaderboard for the Kentucky Derby. And as I recall, pretty much 20 points will get you in. He's already got 18. It really does depend on the year, doesn't it, John? I mean, yes, when we ran um, Commanding Curve, he had 20, right? And he ran second in the Kentucky Derby back in 2014. Mm-hmm. I've noticed a little bit of a trend, and it's, it's difficult to call it a trend because it's only happened a couple of years where you probably need 30 or more. At least you did the last couple of years. And obviously you don't feel safe until you know you're in absolutely. But I would think if he ran second or third in this next race, we'd feel pretty good. Um, if we won, obviously I think we'd be well in the clubhouse and maybe making some decisions about whether we wanted to run in the San Anita Derby or the, uh, uh, the wood or the bluegrass or maybe just train up to the Derby, which would be probably too, too many days in between races, but you just don't know. You, you, you have to treat each horse individually. All right. Well, listen, we've been spending, uh, the, uh, first part of the show with Jeff Lifson. Jeff, I want to thank you, A, for being on, and B, if you win the Derby, don't go big-timing me and not answering my phone. I would uh, I would never not pick up the phone for John Engelhart. It's been, been <laughs> too much fun seeing. Like, you and I b- bump into each other sort of like in the places where the big shots don't hang at racetracks. So that, that, <laughs> that's a no-brainer. That's an absolute. Well, I always see you're you're always laser focused when I see you at Keeneland going from point A to point B. So I don't bother you, but I do see you there. And I, I think I want to thank you once again. I don't think it'll be your last go around on winning ponies. I really appreciate it, Jeff. Good luck. My pleasure, John. Have a great rest of the evening. Okay, I will. And the rest of the evening will be great because I'm going to be joined by the man I admire. That's right. The one and the only admire. You're listening to Winning Ponies. We'll be right back.
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, the most requested guest. I finally got him back. He had kind of a change in his schedule, and he is now available for Thursday nights, at least for a little while. We're talking about the man that used to ride this microphone on Winning Ponies, Ed Meyer. Steady Eddie, how you doing? That is the world's biggest microphone you had there in your hand, my friend. <laughs> How's it going, Johnny? Uh, it, it's going good. It's going good. I mean, uh, you know, we got a you know interesting, um, you know, Triple Crown or Kentucky Derby, Kentucky Oaks. Uh, that's going to be interesting. That Saragenti Empress really returned to her old form, and uh, she's owned by one of my uh, members at the Ohio Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners. So we always root for them, and I'm sure Ron Paolucci, who's another member, will somehow find a horse on the Derby Trail and uh, get some points and try to be there on the first Saturday in May. Uh, other than that, uh, you, you, you missed a big hullabaloo over at Turfway Park last Friday. You know, I, I heard they had a little event, but, uh, you know, Turfway's been known to overcome a few things, weather, wind, lightning, uh, you name it, they've overcame it. But uh, what are you, which one are you referring to this time? Well, I was there on Friday for the PDJF uh, fundraiser, and uh, part of the roof caught on fire. Hmm. And it still stands. Now, that's a tough track. But we, we you didn't know this? We had to evacuate. Yes, Everybody. I did. Yeah, actually, actually uh, I did. Had some friends that sent me some pictures, and uh, and um, you know, I, t- I took a little glance, and I thought, huh. And it looked like uh, the races went on, and everything was put out. And uh, I, once I heard everything was an all good and thumbs up, 
What more can you ask for? I mean, the track was put up in 57, opened in 59. I mean, it's, it's got a little age to it. It's got a little age to it. Uh, if it was a fine wine, it'd be going for a top dollar. Well, I, I know you were back there in the days when they had two-by-fours holding the tote board up. <laughs> John, there actually were. If it were really, really below, I'll say from the north that you'd get an odd wind, the toad board would just kind of wiggle wobble, kind of like <laughs> a, a saw that you were playing in a in a bluegrass band. And I thought, oh, gosh, you could just see it just kind of wobbling like jello. But, you know, over the years, Turfways, they've seen a lot. I mean, the tent was blown down. They have a big VIP tent, which holds around, what, 500 back then. Uh, it, it went down. I mean, they've had uh, electrical problems. They've had, but you know what, just like many tracks, I think it was uh, on Preakness that uh, Pimlico took a, took a little bit of a black eye, and the electric went out. And I think everybody was baking in there, and I think they were giving ice cream away at a pretty uh, low price. Yeah, well, uh, but it was a fun day. They had a great show up. I mean, a lot of blasts from the past that you would remember. Uh, you know, uh, Jim McKnight, uh, you know, Charlie Woods, your J.J. Sonseri. You always know he's in the area. And, uh, you know, but then again, uh, did I, I don't know if I mentioned Sandy Hawley and Pat Day, you had a Hall of Famers there. Steve Coffin, the kid. Who's no longer a kid, but he's still a great guy. Uh, he was forever there. And they had... he'll, he'll be 73, and he'll be known as the kid forever. <laughs> but, you know, it's a good stamp to have because it takes us back to kinder, gentler days, and uh, we'll still see that youthful face uh, forever etched in our mind in, in Sports Illustrated. Uh, Steve, what a great guy. And, you know, I read all about it from the press uh, press release that uh, was put out on it, and it was it was par excellent. John, it was, it was talking a bit about this. I saw some pictures that actually you dropped in there. I mean, I have one question. What is this in you with A-leaguers right in the winner circle? What was uh, that all about? You're usually behind the lens, but on this one, you were really sporting looking good. Well, thank you. I handed my camera over upon request to Keiru Tushia, who was originally from Japan and then rode over here. And Keiru and Sandy Hawley are being wed on March 19th, and she says, no, John, 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 you get in picture, you get in picture. I said, okay. So I got in the picture with uh, Chris Collinsworth, uh, Mike Pataglia, Sandy Hawley, and Pat Day. You know, if it, was, uh, it was, if it was a buffet, I'd be the parsley. No, no, I was going to say all Hall of Famers are in their own right, and, and all good guys have phrasing that, uh, that have either owned, <laughs> owned announced, uh, ridden, and have been an equine photographer, a PR man. Ah, all winners in that uh, that winner circle, but I love that picture. That 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 will be one of my favorite pictures of seeing you at the track in action. Well, I'll, I'll have to get you in eight by ten. I'd autograph uh, it, but then it. it go down in value. <laughs> but I want you to I want you to sign it though. <laughs> okay, I will. Just so you can say you can pass it around to your buddies. Go, what a jerk Engelhardt is! Look at this. He, now he's autographing <laughs> photos. My God, he just photobombed no these guys who were getting their picture taken. Now he thinks he's a big thing. So it, but anyhow, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a great night. But you 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 mentioned uh, all the things that uh, that Turfway has survived. You got to remember the two by four 
era. That's when it was Latonia. Then Jerry Carroll came in, did a hell of a job cleaning that track up. And and now it's on Chip Boxhead where they're, I'm seeing photos and everything where they're starting to renovate it uh, once again uh, for the onset of historical racing. So it'll be uh, interesting to see that in northern Kentucky because I know there have been a lot of uh, questions about whether or not it would ever really happen. But they're in there. It's a construction zone, and they've done a great job with their second floor as far as a simulcasting center. And I think that's uh, hats off to a neighbor of yours, Brian Bain. Yes, yes, and he's done a tremendous job. I have not heard one complaint, at least from fifty people that have spoke about it, and they've done they've done a yeoman's task on a very short schedule, and they're flipping this around. Turfway's very serious and committed, and they want to actually get their get their hat in the game, and because they want to improve the purse structure, they want to improve the facilities, they want to improve it as as a patron and fan experience, and they're they're cognizant of what's going on. They've just had to sit back on their hands and wait a while maybe a little longer than they wanted to but uh turfway is here to stay all right well uh listen ed uh i want to try to take a look at some of the races this is kind of you know in all this era of uh, points races for derby and, and, and oaks this is like one of those weekends that just like kind of falls in between them all so we kind of had to scramble a little bit uh did you by any chance get a chance to look at the buena vista I, I did, John. And by the way, these are the weekends that the winning ponies easy win forms are really devastating. It, I don't know why. I, I really don't have a rhyme or reason. It wasn't the marquee race. It was those nice $100,000 grade twos, those grade threes, and they smacked them out of the park. But on these days, they do true and uh the big race of the day for this Saturday is the Grade 2 Buena Vista going one mile on the turf at Santa Anita. So I, I really dug in deep. And, and for me, if you get anywhere near, I mean anywhere near, and I'm, I'm kind of warning you to something I normally don't do. If you get anywhere near this price of 8 to 5 empty your wallet. That's number 9, Vasilika, yep. a talented daughter of Skipshot. She's 9 for 9 in the money of Santa Anita. Was almost reeled off 10 straight. If you get anywhere near 8 to 5, now, size of the field when you're making the line, sometimes you've got to go a little bit higher, but the line maker, John White, does a tremendous job, and it usually holds pretty good. If you see 6 to 5, 7 to 5, go to the windows early and often, this may be a free spot to pick four, John. Well, you know, again, I'd love to get the morning line odds, but when you look at it, there's there's a key race. It's coming out of the grade three megahertz, and the top three finishers, and I think the sixth place horse, fifth place, um, are all in this race. And, boy, the way he won that race, Ed, with the red-hot Flavia Pratt aboard was awfully impressive. And what's nice is uh, he's not a one-trick pony. He looks like he's so content to just lay a little bit off the pace and then Boom, you know, make the move. Uh, he touted 124 that day. He will again on Sunday in this one-mile uh, turf test. And, boy, this horse, Jerry Hollendorfer, we're, you know, just talking with Jeff Lifson about uh, Hollendorfer and some of the horses he trains for them. Uh, man, has he placed this horse race? He'll be going for she, rather, will be going for her 15th lifetime win in only 30 starts. Very well-managed uh, mare, I must say. Second off layoff. 
I, I was looking, and I went back, and I, and I counted, I said, my gosh. I said, you know, has it been that many already? Because I've, I've kept Vasilika at, uh, in pick threes and pick fours and such like that, and I saw at eight to five, I thought, oh, my gosh, I hope maybe I'm not putting the, uh, the old kibosh on it, but here, you're seeing nine starts of Santa Anita, eight wins in a second, Hollendorfer trainee, he's winning 33% with Flavian Pratt, who's scoring 24% at the, uh, the great race place. I'll tell you what, second off on layoff seals the deal for me. Now, that last race, I went back and I watched it three times. It was impressive. There's plenty in the tank here. I don't know if you're going to get that 8-5. to five. I could only wish uh, for Candy Drop Mountains for that one. But uh, I see more of about even money, 6-5. to five, But it looks like a good free spot for me. And I'll tell you what, Vasilika, I think, might be one of my my major plays this weekend, but definitely check it out on the Winning Pony Easy Win forums and see what they come up with because they're really geared in finding that price for second and third and fourth. You might find some really hidden value, John. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, again, you've got the the top three finishers in, in the megahertz in there, and uh, then you got kind of an unknown quality a horse that uh, comes back pretty good off a race or did in the past, and that's Take These Chains, an Irish bred, who's listed at 12 to 1. I'm not picking it as a winner, but you're talking about maybe uh, Can Vasilika on top, and uh, that might be one that you want to you know, give a little consideration to. Um, well, Ed, did you get a chance to look at the other graded race? It's a grade 3, and that would be the Hal's Hope down at Gulfstream. I sure did. And, you know, I really think well, Gulfstream each and every week, even on a bad weekend, they've got great racing. I mean, incredible racing. <laughs> the Grade 3 House Hope, they're going to go a mile at 4.58 p.m. In there, I love Quip. And Quip is a son of distorted humor from the Rodolph Brissett barn. And you want to keep an eye on this lad as he's worked with Bill Mott, Bob Baffert. He's worked with some of the biggest names in racing. And he actually saddled a horse or two at Belter Park this summer. He's young, he's up and coming, he's going to be somebody to deal with down the line. Jose Ortiz in the driver's seat. Anytime you get one of the Ortiz brothers aboard, you have to pay attention. His works at Payson have been solid. The barn is 44% in the money off long-range layoffs. I think he's been taught to bring them along the old-fashioned way, nice and slow from horsemen that really know the game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's got great connections, Windstar Farm, uh, his sire, Distorted Humor, uh, owned and bred by Windstar. And, uh, you know, if you take a look at his PPs, he hasn't run since the Preakness last year against Justify. And it looks like he probably got a little hitch in his get-along. He ended up finishing dead last in this race. But I'm looking at uh, some uh, very solid uh, works uh, from Pace and Park down there. So we'll see if Mr. Brissett has it ready. Um, a horse that has a lot of back speed, but I don't know where he's at right now, is Coppertown. Um He's obviously had issues. He's a five-year-old, well-bred son, another Windstar homebred uh, of, of Spitestown. Only six lifetime starts. He's five years old, but he's won half of those. Um, he could be the controlling speed in here. You go back here, and you know he's he's got 100 plus buyers uh, from days gone by. But I just I don't like seeing all those breaks in his training and then in his debut. While he caught a sloppy track uh, running up that track. You know, I was going to mention it, and it's funny. You, you handicap long enough together, 
and you know we talked about a few races just kind of key in on Coppertown. I still think at five for Windstar Farm and China Horse Club International is still trying to figure it out, and I don't think they've given up on him. And I'm really, I'm really elated with that. They're taking their time. You know, are we going to see a world beater? No. Are we going to see something exciting? I think Coppertown may just wake up and mature. You know, coming back from that mile in the Fred Hooper, which was a grade three, was a beaten favorite of the day. You've got Javier Castellano, a 22% winning rider for Todd Plutcher, who wins 25%. You've got all the names, Windstar Farm, China Horse Club International. Why would they be dilly-dallying with a five-year-old that has nothing? It really caught my eye. I'm, I'm looking for big-time speed here from Coppertown, and I'm hoping that if you can go back to duplicating that race on October 7th of 17, I think lights out and gone. I, I, but if you see uh, Coppertown get a loose, wow, John. Is it, I mean, this might, this might be one we'll look back on next week and, uh, and say, you know, maybe we should have used a, used a little more uh, coinage to uh, bring in Coppertown into the race. Okay, I think the other one to consider in there, I think they've pretty much, because I talked to Jeff Lifson off the air, and West Point is one of the partners on this horse, and that's breaking lucky. Talk about horses getting older, seven, and they've realized, okay, he's not the horse that ran against Arrogate and Gunrunner, but he probably fits pretty well in against grade three horses, and his comeback race was a solid one in the grade three Fred Hooper, and I'm not looking at any odds, but I'm thinking he'll be pretty decent, might be one to put in there. He's a millionaire horse. I'm sure after this season, being a son of looking at Lucky, he'll be retired. So let's see if I can squeeze one more in. It'll pretty should be easy. Did you get that Sunland Park PPs? Mind that bird derby? Nope. I, I defer to you on the Sunland Park, but if you give one, I'll give one at Aqueduct. Okay, well, I'll give one in here because it's not every day you see Steve Asmussen out at Sunland. Mind that bird derby. Wicked indeed. Coming out of the grade three, LeCompte was beaten by six links. As Luis Contreras, the leading rider over there aboard, no big price, but nominated to the Triple Crown. Wicked indeed. Who do you like in the Big Apple in the Franklin Square? There's two I see I can't separate because they're both undefeated. The Franklin Square, to me, and I went back and watched both races, number three, Stones in the Road, a two-to-one. Rajiv Marat is winning 17% your uh, long-lost relatives, Jeremiah Englehart, and has been ultra-impressive, John, will command this distance, win by six-and-a-quarter lengths, just drew off handily, plenty in the tank, did it all, all well within herself. It's a daughter of busting stones. I see stones in the road just turning loose and saying, see ya, I wouldn't want to be ya. Right about the quarter pole, it's over. But uh, if you get anywhere near two-to-one, you might have a bonus there, too. All right. I think the horse in the exacted to put with him is Forgotten Hero, another undefeated horse that has very similar buyers and uh, hasn't raced this year, but did win the New York Stallion Stakes last year. Okay. Ed Meyer, thanks so much for, for, for joining me. It's always a pleasure. Be well, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Okay. I want to thank Jeff Lifson, too. He was a pleasure to have on. I hope we can get him back. And who knows, we might be talking to him about one of those West Point Derby winners. But uh, again, I also want to thank my producer, Josh, for keeping me online. I greatly appreciate it. So uh, I'm John Engelhart. Pull down your easy win forms on winningponies.com. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.